0: This week we are looking into how highly sensitive people experience and go through their relationships with others. In part one we discuss the characteristics of a highly sensitive person, its good side, and its challenging side. This is part two of Two Soft for Love where we'll try to understand what makes highly sensitive people tick and discuss some of the ways you can stay in tune with your emotions without letting it take over your relationships or your life. This podcast deals with themes, languages, and situations that may not be suitable for young audiences. If you're under the age of 18, parental guidance isn't going to help you here. And welcome back to Now Open the Podcast, the sex education podcast that's more sex than education. I'm Trisha. I am Kai. I am Jobim. And I'm Presh. <laughs> so let's get into some of the science behind HSPs because... You know, when you hear the word HSP, highly sensitive person, I don't know. When I first heard it, I thought it was about people with third eyes, like people who could see ghosts,
1: (laughs) (laughs) or you can see shapes behind cards. You know, just it's similar to ESP. It's it's close enough, right? ESPN or something.
0: Yeah, like ESP or like the or the significantly less scientific right, right, right. concept of an empath, right? You know, but the reason why Aaron who is a psychologist and researcher herself decided to use the term highly sensitive person is to separate it from those other Maybe pseudoscience or other things that don't have any scientific backing. So she's done quite a few studies on this particular trait. So apparently, being highly sensitive is not exclusive to humans. According to Aaron, biologists have found this trait in over 100 species, including cats, dogs, birds, fish, fruit flies, and horses. Uh... (laughs) So mainly the way that they observe this is by cautiousness when approaching new things, and it is believed to be a survival strategy. So it's not just in humans. And I honestly think one of my cats is a highly sensitive cat because he does not like to be touched very much, (laughs) uh, extremely jumpy, very sensitive to sounds. I've never had a cat this sensitive. So I think he gets it from me.
1: (laughs) Maybe. Maybe.
0: And the thing about HSP is that it is possibly genetic. There are associations with serotonin and dopamine genes. So that's why there's some overlap with other mental disorders that also deal with a lack of serotonin and dopamine. Of course, just like anything, it's not all about nature. It's some nurture. Early environments likely also play a role. Like, Were your parents able to model good communication? Or did y'all just yell at each other or withdraw and not have good ability to express yourself. so, Or if, you know, your parents neglected you or if there's some trauma or abuse, then it's very possible that these traits like amplify, you know, are amplified by those things. So there are three characteristics that HSPs check for is the ease of excitation. It's like how easily excitable you are to feel things, bad or good. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's also aesthetic sensitivity. This is how positively you react to beautiful things. And there's also low sensory threshold which is how you react to negative stimuli or stimuli that's overwhelming so if you're an HSP you could like score higher in one of these three categories or equal across the board but it's a combination of these three traits so a 2014 study that was conducted by Aaron and associates showed that ancient spies when shown pictures of sad and happy faces had stronger than usual activations in the parts of the brain that control empathy and awareness. And even when they were told to relax in between looking at these faces, the brain activity showed that they were still processing the information. <laughs>
1: Maybe telling a sensitive person to relax is not the right move. <laughs>
0: yeah, they were just like, they're like, chill out. We're going to scan your brain and sh- and stuff. And they were still processing Chill out? Why? Information. Is
2: something wrong? What did I do? <laughs> have you ever actually relaxed when someone was like, relax? Chilling out, have you ever out ever? Chilling have out, you out. Ever? <laughs> Don't tell me that. Relax.
1: <laughs> okay, I'm Has it ever calmed
2: you down? <laughs> <clears throat> So there's something wrong on the study. I go. <laughs> well,
0: they also <laughs> took a look at the brain patterns and they noticed that there was greater connectivity between the parts of the brain that manage memory consolidation and memory retrieval. So people who are have who are HSPs, they love retrieving and consolidating memories. Again, processing information, but there is a weak connection between the parts of a brain that modulate pain and anxiety, as well as emotion processing and stress regulation. So you're really good at taking in information and processing it and recalling and retrieving information as needed, but you don't know how to manage your feelings around the information that you're processing. So it's a great trade-off.
1: I mean, now that I'm hearing about all this, just from my purely uneducated and non, non-qualified non point of view, right? It, it seems like HSPs have a have kind of an advantage right it seems like an evolutionary response to something being sensitive to nonverbal traits and other things that are going on around you it's being sensitive to people for survival to help you get along with people better maybe people who don't verbalize things as well in an age where communi- verbal communication you know at a time when humanity when verbal communication was not as as complex as it as it is now being able to read somebody's mood based on nonverbal cues would have been such a huge evolutionary advantage. It also would have been an advantage in a tribe to get along with people. I just think that HSPs now get a bad rap in today's society because we have so much stimuli. And today's lifestyle, today's relationships are, I'd assume, way more complicated than They were back then when this evolutionary trait was so, so, so important to have. So now they get like, you're super sensitive because the world has changed, right? And I
0: think you'll see some patterns really with how we treat like mental disorders like ADHD, because the idea behind ADHD is also the same. It was an evolutionary trait. It really helped you when you were hunter gatherers, because the ability to take in a lot of information really helped you escape from predators Mm -hmm. and stay alive. Mm -hmm. And- the reason why people with ADHD struggle now is because of the way that we've set up our society. We demand schedules. We demand routine. We, we, we demand... We demand that focus productive. on things for
1: more than 15 minutes at a time. Exactly.
0: So we'll see yeah. that, like, while these did have some benefits and they still do have benefits today. Like the way that we treat these people is part of the reason why it's so difficult for to be an HSP. And uh, I do want to connect this a little bit to ADHD because while I was researching this episode, I basically felt a lot of connections to ADHD, which I am um, recently have been medicated for. And I'm, it just basically startled me how there were a lot of overlaps. So I wanted to look into it further. And the reason why it's so similar is because people with ADHD also have a nervous system that overreacts to things in the outside world. Okay. So yeah, people with ADHD have a nervous system that gets set off really quickly. And this is partially because of trauma responses. People with ADHD are often bullied, made fun of, or otherwise told something is wrong with them more so than the average person. I think there was a, study that showed that the average child with ADHD got 20,000 more hate messages or negative messages than the average person. So there's a lot of trauma response here. So it kind of conditions you to also react even more. According to psychologist and ADHD coach Michelle Novotny, she observed higher emotional and physical reactivity in people with ADHD. She suggests that because people with ADHD are easily overwhelmed, it leads to hypersensitive reactions and difficulty coping emotionally. So sounds familiar, right? It sounds a lot like being an HSP. And there's this one common symptom of ADHD that's called rejection-sensitive dysphoria. And when I came upon this term, a lot of things were illuminated for me.
1: It was a little light bulb. <laughs> it was just like, "Huh. <laughs> Interesting."
0: Because the word
1: It's like a horoscope <laughs> but in science.
0: Yeah, you're like, "Really to this." Uh, <laughs> so, the word dysphoria basically means hard to bear, right? Gender dysphoria, it's hard to bear your gender. So, with rejection sensitive dysphoria, you it's hard to bear rejection. People with ADHD are actually much more likely to get upset if they think, even if they think someone is criticizing them. So this really results in a people pleaser type attitude where you avoid conflict and social situations that would make you feel vulnerable. So a lot of overlap but there. But then you tend to hold um,
1: it in. Although I must point- you, you avoided the confrontation. Then you just hang on to it and you die slowly. Because yes. you're like, damn, I should have said that yes. thing five days ago. <laughs>
2: You like replay the
1: conversation in your yeah. and you're like, damn it. Mumbling like in the shower. You're about, <laughs> you're about to sleep <laughs> and you're like, damn,
0: I should have said that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I should have said that.
0: <laughs> so there's a lot of overlap, but I do want to point out that there are major differences between um, people with ADHD and HSP. Iron herself thinks that it's mutually exclusive. More, not not, mutually exclusive, but more often than not, they do not co-occur. But she has met people. She acknowledges that she's met people who say that they are both HSP and have ADHD. So she's like, you know, further study
2: is needed. Question. But, yeah. Um, How could you tell if it's rejection sensitivity dysphoria and if it's just like, I feel bad about the rejection? That's a good question.
0: Well, it's just more of an extreme reaction because as Guru Mackey likes to say, everyone experiences the same emotions Mm -mm. that people with mental health issues experience. We all get sad and depressed and anxious and all these things. It's just the degree to which it affects you in your life. So if you're sad about rejection, it's a very normal human reaction, but if you can't let go of it and it affects your life and um, it makes you feel bad about yourself and it makes you want to avoid Doing that again because you don't want to get hurt anymore—it makes you. Besides, if if you go into a doom spiral because somebody rejected you, maybe it's that.
1: Mm, oh yeah. It's an unhealthy reaction, uh, like a yeah, a markedly yeah, unhealthy rea- reaction to oh rejection. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we knew there was no other way. We knew what we
2: had to face, but it still hurts when it happens. With
3: pain. But I still don't know where it all went wrong
2: That was How Can I Forget, a new release from singer-songwriter Erin Lee. Shortly after the release of her debut EP, Paper Flowers, Lee has never let the style of her vocal harmony and instrumentation keep her within the confines of a single genre. Using her creativity and versatility as a self-taught producer to branch out into the OPM scene even further, she is one of the faces that make up two of her other side projects the acoustic duo CJ and Aaron, and Lily Stars Records' indie folk duo Lily on the River. You can stream their music now on Spotify. And if you are an artist that wants to be featured on the show, we would be honored. Send your clips to nowopenph at gmail.com.
0: Yes. So, Kai, why don't you take us into our segment?
2: All right. So for today's opening up, we have an anonymous letter. They write, Dear Now Open, my crush just admitted that they had feelings for me, but when he did, my feelings went away. Am I weird, given that I used to be obsessed with him? Has this ever happened to y'all?
0: I've never experienced this.
1: Okay, yeah. Um, I know that we don't like Woody Allen on this podcast, but one of my favorite quotes my comes from in. Woody Allen, and I think it encapsulates this perfectly. It goes, sometimes also attributed to Groucho Marx, so I'm not sure who said it. I would never want to be a part of a club who would have me as a member. There you go, it's a a self-deprecating joke, sorry.
0: Do you really relate to this where it's like, if somebody likes me, they must not be jack shit. (laughs)
1: No, well, yeah. So my favorite line is the most attractive quality that a person can have is that they find me attractive, right? But the, the honest to God, truth is that, yeah, sometimes when I find out that a person likes me, I'm like, mm, there's maybe something wrong with you now. I think it, it might have something to do with how you see yourself. If this person who is uh, messaging us feels less of uh, less attraction to somebody when they find out that they're attracted to them, it might be because of the way they view themselves. All right. That's the it's a judgment call based on what they're attracted to, right? It's a judgment call on yourself. <gasps>
0: oh that is so anonymous true.
1: letter writer. Uh you might want to take a, a closer look inward before <laughs> before <laughs> finding more crushes. And hopefully I mean, next maybe time Maybe they just
3: like the chase.
1: Maybe. Oh that that That'd too, awesome. actually. That's
3: still
0: look that's inward. Also super
1: viable. Still,
3: still look inward to figure
0: <laughs> that yeah, still
1: look out. inward, though. Yeah. If that's that's the case Presh has a really good point uh there are also a lot of people who are just into the chase and mm-hmm. i would have to get more context into what your relationship with your crush was like If it was just the happy crush from far away and you found out that they like you back then yeah it is about the chase but if it was a yeah. thing that had been going on for a while and the, kayo since high school and you know oh my god <laughs> the pandemic things happened you know and then all of a sudden they like you and then you're like i ah, don't know more then yeah there's either way look inside look inward <laughs>
2: I agree with that. Like I think that why if you're really f- over like all over one person, right? And they like you back. I mean, typically I personally, if someone did that I, to me, I'd be like, "Tong enough, eh, bro. Let's go. Let's have babies. Come on. Ta-da, bro." But yeah, I agree with Joe Bim in, in the idea na like what if this is a projection? Na parang I feel I like you and you like me back. Why would you like me back? Like parang, that's what I'm that's kind of like the, the back and forth I'm seeing in this interaction. Na parang, it's a projection of what I would I feel within regarding myself, projecting onto like my perception of this person and the relationship that we have. So look within. That's what I, also, I also agree with that.
0: Yeah. And I just want to assure you, you're not weird. Whatever feelings you have or don't have, they don't make you weird. It's totally fine to not feel anything. So just explore it. It could also be like maybe now you're tired. You don't have a crush on them. And then it comes back later. Who knows? Life goes on. Look inward. (laughs) That's the summary of all the advice you can give. That's the summary. Look inward.
2: That wasn't anti-advice from Joe Bim tonight. I love it. I'm like, Yeah, for what? I know, right? That was great advice. Coming from Joe Bim. I guess everyone can change. (laughs) Miss you, Joe Bim. Joe Bim had to go on a journey inward, so he's gone for
0: the night. So if you'd like to send us your anonymous questions or confessions, you can submit through our opening up form. It's in the episode description, and I am adding it to the comments. So let's go back to the discussion.
1: If you like what you hear and you want to support your beloved sexual delinquents, you can send us money, like the whores we are, for less than the price of one cup of a bougie coffee per month, you can keep your favorite sex podcast up and running for many episodes to come. It comes with a lot of goodies like extra content, special shout-outs, and exclusive access to a VIP customer channel on Discord. You can even suggest an episode. It helps us out a lot, and we really appreciate it. You can donate now at code feedcom slash nowopenph. That's ko-fi.com slash nowopenph. And now, back to the show.
0: So we talked a lot about what makes an HSP why it sometimes sucks, why it's sometimes awesome, and what's really going on in the brain of a really emotionally sensitive person. Now, let's talk about actionable insights. Basically, how to handle your emotions responsibly. If this is something you resonate with, if you are a highly sensitive person, or if your partner is a highly sensitive person, and you want to learn how to navigate conflict and communicate with your partners effectively, this is the part for you. Kai, do you have any
2: advice for highly sensitive people? Trust yourself. I really feel that like, you know, at the end like I feel as though highly sensitive people are very prone to gaslighting. Like I think that some especially when people are telling you constantly na parang you're too sensitive. You're too sensitive. This is what I meant. Getsa ba? Na parang if, if someone says something to you and then you're like crying because it hurts so much and then they'll tell you, you're so sensitive. I didn't even mean to, I didn't, that's not even what I meant. Diba? That's a gaslighting moment, by the way, guys. You have to, point, you have to figure that out. But, um, yes, yeah, I, I think this that's all really impor- important. You trust your reality, you trust yourself. Now, no, I felt bad about this. And the fact that I feel this is valid enough. The fact that I feel this is, is good enough. I think one of the biggest reasons
0: HSPs don't trust themselves and are more prone to gaslighting um, about their feelings is because they do view their sensitivity as a weakness. They think that it is a flaw that needs Mm -mm. to be corrected. And it's just reinforced by the people around them telling them that they need to change. But like one of my biggest pieces of advice... To anyone who thinks they're sensitive, rejecting your sensitivity and trying to toughen up and be who you are not is not going to work out for you. You have to embrace your sensitivity as a strength, not a weakness. Aaron herself, one of the reasons why she launched into a study of highly sensitive persons is because she identifies as one. And she says, I am deeply moved by things. I'd hate to miss the intense joy of that. And I relate to this. I do feel things both negative and positive, very intensely. So that can mean some very down moments, but it also means some moment of joy. And if you don't embrace your sensitivity, then you're going to numb yourself to all of the vast experiences of life. And one of those experiences is having feelings, you know, like not having feelings doesn't make you strong. Right.
3: Viewing my sensitivity as something that's negative. I couldn't write, I couldn't make music, I couldn't make anything I liked or make anything that I thought was beautiful and whenever, when I when I realized that, I was like, okay, that's not it. This, is, this ain't it, Fresh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when
0: you're <laughs> disconnected from your feelings, you're disconnected from yourself because, you know, like as Kai said, trust yourself. When you listen to your feelings, there's something that your feelings will tell you. You know, and Mm-mm. and sometimes you might not hear it right away or you might hear a different thing. You know, maybe your feelings are telling you, I want to break up with this person. But w- if you really listen, it'll be more like I'm hurting because I'm not getting what I need. You know, your yeah. feelings are there for a reason. And you may just be drawing some of the wrong or extreme conclusions. And it's just really about sitting Mm-mm. with those feelings and getting yeah. to what it means.
3: And- that's why it's so important to clarify for example like if you f- if whenever I feel that I'm criticized like it works wonders like you'd be surprised to, to go to the person and say is this what you meant by this did you mean to yeah. say this and like it really works wonders like how many disasters could be averted by just asking a simple question right because it's, Definitely. it's very disarming and you're coming in and you're seeing level to level and if they say yes I was criticizing you then maybe there's a way to talk about that and and say, like, oh, I didn't like that. You know, it opens a conversation rather than just you seeing something, sitting in your feelings and feeling bad about it. Oh, they hate me. They criticize me and stuff like that. I
2: totally agree with that. Like, one of the greatest things told to me, like, in the past year was clarity is kindness. And, you know, that's really something that has done wonders. Like, that just that phrase has done wonders. Shout out to Mackie because she told me that. Guru um, Mackie. Actually, Guru the in- Mackie, bro.
0: Like, I listed so, like 10 sources in the sources for this episode, but actually, it's just Mackie. <laughs>
2: hmm hmm And when Mackie told me that, na, clarity is kindness, na, it was really something that pushed me to talk. Like, to really, like, talk. That's how, that's how my girlfriend and I started to, like, do the check-ins. You know? And I agree with Fresh and I agree with Trisha Now like, when you embrace your sensitivity, Now, when you accept it, you na say, na parang, okay, if someone says, you're so sensitive, and you be like, yeah, I am. And you accept that. Yeah. It, it, it does, parang, kasi it, it hurts when you resist it. It hurts when you say, na parang, when you say, na parang, oh, you're too sensitive, and you think, na parang, okay, I'm too sensitive, there's something wrong with that. Versus, yes, I'm sensitive. And that's okay. That, yeah. that perspective shift does wonders. I
0: think we really need to get rid of that black and white thinking. And this really also helps people, HSPs, because you often get stuck in black and white thinking. It's a all or nothing, either or. It's either my partner does this or I break up with them. You know, it's very extreme black and white thinking. So one thing you can do is maybe take note when you're starting to, to catastrophize in that way where you're, your options like you have two options there's always more than two options so when you find yourself doing that then maybe take a pause take a step back and you know see where you're coming from rather than doing your your two options i think also one thing i can recommend and this is just true of most things whenever you feel like you are lacking in something you give more of it. So if you feel like your partner is extremely insensitive, or not even extremely, I hope that you're not dating somebody who's extremely insensitive. But you know, everyone has their insensitive moments. And that's that's just life. But one way that you can do it is that if you feel like your partner's being insensitive to you at this moment, you try to be even more sensitive and try to be even more empathic and more understanding. So Mackie says that sensitivity allows us to see, hear ourselves deeply, and in turn, see and hear others deeply beyond their trauma and conditioning. Things become less personal when you understand and empathize with someone else's experience. So you basically use your sensitivity to try and understand the other person, which is what you're trying to do, right? When you're reading their body language and you're reading into their tone, you're trying to understand them. But this time, instead of trying to understand them by reading body language, which can you can draw the wrong conclusions from it, you ask. You ask questions, you inquire like, why do you feel this way? How is it affecting you? And then from there, you'll be able to have, hopefully, a de-escalated conversation. Because I think, what happens is that HSPs, they get trapped in a cycle of I'm so sensitive, my partner's insensitive, and it just explodes because it just keeps a feedback loop. But HSPs, you also have control, you have power. If you stop the feedback loop by you know taking a step back and understanding the other person, then you can stop a fight before it escalates.
2: And in understanding someone, like the way to do that really is to listen mindfully and sensitively. In the conversation, because you know how, like usually when you're talking to someone, you're already thinking of a response. Like may na tong tao, parang blah 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 blah. I'm already thinking. It's what I How often has it been that what you planned to say actually was said? Because parang you know how the only way we can resolve conversation. Because you know how we, like what Jobim was talking about earlier, you look back at these conversations you had in the past, and like, I wish I said this. I wish I said that. And that's because it usually happens because you're always thinking of what to respond next. But you're not just listening and thinking like, okay, I will listen to exactly what you say and I will respond when you are done talking and I have heard everything you said. Right? So when you actually are in the moment and you're just, in that present moment, listening and responding accordingly to the present moment, nothing's unresolved because you're not in the future. You're not thinking of what to say. You're not thinking of what you had to say. You're thinking of what to say right now. And to be mindful in the present is something that really does help with, sensitive, with highly sensitive people in the sense that, like what Trisha said earlier, highly sensitive people are often anxious about what's happening, what could happen in the future. The fear of what happened in the past. But what if you stayed in the present and listened? The Absolutely.
0: I think another part of staying in the present is because when you often go into these tough discussions, you come with a wall and a layer of armor because you are prepared for battle, right? You have your guard up and you're more defensive. But if you stay in the present and you take it moment by moment, you, you kind of learn to let your guard down and maybe even learn from the criticism in part mm-hmm. because... Your partner, if, if they're the ones bringing up the conflict, and most conflicts are not one-sided. Most conflicts, there's like a role that both parties played in a certain issue. So there's always something to be learned from listening to your partner and, and listening from the criticism. And you can even agree, like what Kai said, if your, if your partner calls you sensitive, mm-hmm. you go, mm-hmm. yes, I am sensitive. I agree with that. Or you can even agree with the principle of like, yes, I agree that crying – loudly and in, uh, interrupting you while you talk is not fair but you can agree with the principle of what they're saying without taking it personally and internalizing it
3: the way that i like to see it is that whenever i receive criticism like my first mm-hmm. reaction is to be defensive about it you know to be sensitive about it even if the criticism is valid then i have to go back and think what part of me am i trying to defend what part of my inner child is being threatened right now and how do I come to terms with that and say like okay I'm valid what I feel is valid and it hurts but what why am I why are there walls what am I trying to defend right now and it, it's about self it's 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 a very personal thing where you have to regulate it by yourself and nobody's ever going to do that for you because only you know yourself the most in in those very inner deep parts of you, you know, and investigating yourself like that, I feel has helped me take in criticisms more um, productively, I would say.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Mackie also says uh, clarity isn't possible with others until we can embrace our sensitivity and understand ourselves so that we can clearly communicate our feelings and share ourselves with others. And What Bresh and Mackie bring up here is really important. If you are a very sensitive person, one of the first things that you need to do is get to know yourself, be secure in yourself, because the more that you know yourself, the deeper the connection that you have to your sense of identity, the less that other people's judgments of you will impact you because you're sure of who you are. So if they call you sensitive, you're like, yeah, I'm sensitive. Tell me something I don't know. You know, it becomes water off the duck's back. And uh, on top of this, uh, highly recommend meditating. Maki, your impact Because when you meditate, you learn how to be okay with passing thoughts and events. So you learn to let go of things that happen. You learn to stay in the present. You learn to just deal with feelings, emotions, and events as they come. Without going too far into the future or too far into the past. So meditation, self-awareness is the path to happiness, I guess. <laughs> we became a meditation podcast now. We're a, we're a wellness and meditation podcast now. So let's give some advice for those dealing or who have HSPs in their lives. Kai, what would you like like non-HSPs to know about HSPs?
2: everyone has their capacity, like the same way that, like for example, Joe Bim, the body was saying he's a very dense person. That's all he can give, right? The same way with highly sensitive people, what they give is their capacity. Like what, all I can really say is you have, if you're dealing with a, with someone, you a loved one, who is a highly sensitive person, always find the way to meet in the middle. And when I say middle, and I've said this so many times, now, meeting in the middle doesn't mean 50-50. Meeting in the middle sometimes means 60-40. Sometimes it means 70-30, right? And whatever that middle is, is up to you guys. Now, like, if your highly sensitive partner says, I need, I need clarity when we fight. Versus you, you need, uh, like, a less sensitive, less sensitive person would be like, I need to have space away from you. Because, you know, I can't be around you. That's to drive a highly sensitive person fucking insane, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, always find a way to meet in the middle in the sense that, hey, okay, fine, get your space, but give me a time for when you'll come back. So I know Nah, okay, you're, you're going to be gone for two hours. At least I know that in two hours, I can talk to you again. We can hash things out. So, it's always finding a common ground. And as I said, common ground might not always be 50-50, right? Sometimes common ground might be wherever you want to meet, as long as everyone's happy.
0: Yeah, I think it's really important that when you're dealing with a loved one is to remember that you love them. And if you love them, you know, like, why would you go out of your way to say things that you know would hurt them? So uh, my big advice to non-HSPs is if you can change your language a little, don't, use sentences or try to avoid sentences that demonize sensitivity like you're too sensitive you know don't tell people to stop thinking about what others think because what you're doing here is you're 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 trying to dictate how other people act instead of trying to understand why they act that way so don't operate from a place of you know control operate instead of a place uh, from a place of love and understanding. Part of this is, you know, being mindful of how your words, actions may come across, including your body language, tone and other nonverbal cues because if you are yelling or if your voice is raised and the HSP person is, you know, you know, pointing it out and you try to deny that because you're not mindful of how loud your voice has gotten, then that would lead to a, that. W- that could escalate the fight, or that could lead to like really broken communication. So being mindful on both parties' sides is really really helpful.
3: Right. I feel like there is. I think what I would tell somebody dealing with an HSP is that you know there's a lot to be learned from people who are not like you in the same way that they can learn a lot from you as well maybe they can learn that you know dealing with situations a little bit more calmly and a little bit more level-headed is a good thing but looking at the world and being sensitive to the people around you and and anticipating needs and looking at non-verbal cues is also very helpful for our survival I just feel like there's something to be learned by every kind of person in the world that's it
2: also, more than that, like I feel as though something that non-HSP and HSP people have to learn alike is when you come into a conversation, don't expect an outcome. Because expectations, when you when you put an expectation on someone, you are put you're trying to control someone. For example, I'm talking to my partner and I'm like, okay, you fucked up here and I ex- par- I'm not saying I expect it from her, but you. when I say you fucked up here and you did this, you did that, it immediately puts like this idea that par- there's an expectation for her to resolve the issue, right? Instead of putting an expectation on someone, I suggest that you say what you feel and leave it at that. So instead of saying na parang you fucked up, you can say I feel that this was not as... This didn't go as planned. And I feel that this could have gone better. So when you focus on what you feel versus what you think you should say to someone, like, you know, like it's it gives space for them to choose what they should do moving forward. And that's what love is. Love is letting someone be free, di ba? As what that old adage goes, now like, you don't try to control someone. You have to let them choose what they want to do with the feelings that you have. Ayun.
0: Yes, absolutely. Communication is really important. How you communicate, what you communicate, and how often you communicate. Because um, as an HSP, if you're not communicating, especially if you're stressed, and the thing is we notice when you're stressed or mad. And if you're not communicating with us, we're going to try and read your mind. So... (laughs) If you want to avoid those things, communicate. Don't be scared of expressing your feelings. You know, sensitive people love hearing about other people's feelings. Please tell us more about how you feel. It's sexy. It's a turn on. We enjoy it. So don't be scared of your own feelings. Um, Be honest with yourself as well. And allow yourself to be sensitive some days. Allow yourself to have intense emotions. You know, Um, it's not a weakness. And embrace that all right so that wraps up our discussions on too soft for love what is y'all's
3: number one takeaway people are different and we have to learn how to coexist with each other i think and just because somebody is different from you does not mean there's something wrong with them maybe they were just brought up in a very different way and stuff like that but like as humans you know, we're very social beings and I feel like that connection between us is something that we should nurture. And just shoving a group of people, like a whole kind of people and say you're wrong and you're not good because you you feel too much. You know, that's a whole bunch of people that you're saying are wrong. And there are a lot of us, by the way. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it. Sorry. Yeah, we are a legion.
2: We are legion. <laughs> For me, I think my biggest takeaway is that at the end of the day, re- like you know how they say, co- I feel that term, that, that adage always like just gets thrown around so quickly and so fast and so often. That, that thing that they say, that communication is key. Diba? Communication is key. Communication is key. But why are we always so caught up in like miscommunication or shit that we can't say? Diba? Na parang, There's always something left unsaid. There's always something that we want to say more of or less of. Sana we didn't say this, sana we said that. And I think really what I, my biggest takeaway from this conversation is that highly sensitive people have a lot to teach us. In the sense that when you feel a lot and you add that on with communicating openly and honestly in such a way that you, that is welcomed by other people when you when you have a safe space to be able to talk about what you feel, don't you think that relationships around us would kind of just blossom into something so much better? So it's not really a takeaway, it's more of like a trajectory I hope I can see. Like something we can learn from highly sensitive people is that, yeah, we have a lot of feelings. And something that we can all do is communicate that. Like your lack or your excess of feelings. And again, meet them in the middle, some way, somehow.
0: Yeah. My takeaway from this is that I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> and I used to think it was a bad thing. Yeah, we already knew that. But I you used to think it that. was a bad thing, maybe up until really recently, my late 20s, I, I thought it was a bad thing because you know, I would feel negative things very intensely and my partners would suffer because I'm feeling things very intensely and it was not a good time all around. But um, I think if you learn how to accept yourself and listen to yourself and know how to stand your ground, if you know yourself really well, then being a sensitive person isn't going to be bad thing it's going to be it's going to help you in life because you're going to have the emotional resilience that everyone is expecting you to have and demanding from you in this society but you're also going to have the understanding and empathy that like so many people don't have so embrace it and you'll be superman that's my takeaway (laughs) so y'all want to promote anything before we wrap up the show
3: empathy and compassion is what I want to promote.
0: I second that. I gotta stop promoting my Twitter then. <laughs> y'all make me seem terrible because y'all are like love. <laughs> No, you're not. Go ahead. <laughs> I no, promote. No,
3: I just don't think my tweets are interesting, so uh Your music, why do I promote Promot
0: your music.
3: Oh yeah, that's the thing. Y'all are my creators. <laughs>
0: Anyway, uh, you can (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) All right, y'all stay updated with now open by following us on Facebook and Twitter. That's at now open pH. Our past episodes are also available on YouTube, Spotify, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Don't forget to join our discord server to hang out with the hosts, fans, and friends of now open and subscribe to our coffee page. That's coffee.com slash now open pH to get bonus content and other special perks, we've changed the membership tiers so now you can support us for as little as 50 pesos per month we would really really appreciate it Would go a long way and if you subscribe at higher tiers uh namely the vip tier you will get 50 percent discount on all of our merch on top of the bonus content behind the scenes and other special perks of v- uh, being a vip member so This 50% discount is going to come in handy because we are releasing a T-shirt and a sticker pack. So this is in celebration of one year of this show. Yay, happy birthday. We are releasing a shirt in collaboration with National Book Award winner Rob Cham. You can reserve yours now at bit.ly slash shirt. I will add the link in the comments and you can also find the link in the description. The sticker pack is going to be released very soon. So stay tuned to our social media uh, for more information on how you can buy these things and sign up to our coffee. So that you get free, that's a good deal. Half off.
1: Everything. Half
0: off. Great.
3: deal.